contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. Hey, boys and girls, back with another edition of the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. It's going to be a Brandt's Rants edition. Comparing and contrasting NFL and NBA, we just saw Super Team Warriors win the NBA title. Could that happen in the NFL? We talk about tanking in the NBA. Could that happen in the NFL? They're talking about the Jets tanking with their recent releases. We'll talk about Michael Orr of Carolina Panthers still in concussion protocol a year later. We'll talk about Amazon taking over Whole Foods. Will they take over the world? And, of course, we'll talk about Kaepernick, the topic this offseason. But first, a word from our sponsor, Harry Shave Club. What a great, comfortable, close shave it is. I use it every day. It never have a cut. Smells great. Not too fragrant. And the aftershave smells great as well. Now you can get this great offer. You just pay for shipping, 3 bucks. You get a $13 value. You get these quality blades, and you're not paying the markup of the big blade retailers. So you're not involved with any of that. You get it direct to your home. Cut out the middleman, $13 value for free. When you sign up, it's just the $3 for shipping. Now, you're going to get in this set the ergonomic razor handle, which is easy to use. Again, never a cut. Five blades, travel blade cover, and the rich, sha- uh, the rich shave gel, which, again, comes on great, smells great. So here, here's what you do. You get your free trial. Go to harrys.com sports, all caps, S-P-O-R-T-S, right now. That's harrys.com sports. Harry's is certainly changing the way we're shaving. Now getting into some issues here. The the idea of a super team, we saw four stars with the Golden State Warriors. Of course, you have Steph Curry, you have Kevin Durant, you have Klay Thompson and, and Draymond Green. Four stars making up this super team. And the thing is, they were like the 16th payroll in the league compared to the Cavaliers. Super team of their own with three max players at like $127 million dollars. That's on a $94 million cap. Of course, the NBA cap is a soft cap. I call it a yarmulke. There are ways you can go over that. And interestingly, when I talk about ways to go over the cap, you have players that are leaving behind tens of millions of dollars to go play for the opportunity to win. And I count LeBron James doing that not once, but twice, from going to Cleveland to Miami and from going to Miami and Cleveland, with the way the CBA, Collective Bargaining Agreement, was structured, they could stay in their home markets, get the Larry Bird rights the team would have, which gives them financial advantages to pay these players more in order to keep them there. Yet, here's the deal. They still leave. LeBron James still left twice. Kevin Durant could have made tens of millions more in Oklahoma City and chose to leave. Chris Bosh, same thing in Toronto going to Miami. This happens. So if you're in management, your your goal always is competitive balance. So you set up these rules and regulations. You set up these financial advantages for players to stay where they are with their incumbent teams, yet it's still not working. That is a problem. If you're commissioner of a league, you've got to look at that and say, how do we fix this? Now, to the NBA's credit, one way they have proposed to fix it, which may work, are these super maximums. So now these guys can get even more percentage of the cap, which are going to develop into these incredible deals. Steph Curry is going to fall into this, where he can make potentially, I believe, about five years, $205 million. Think about that, $41 million a year on a super max. That is going to keep someone there. Not that Steph Curry needs reason to stay with the best team in the league, 
But you have that going on. Chris Paul, perhaps, who was the president of the NBPA that negotiated the deal, can maybe get that in uh, with the L.A. Clippers. So the Supermax is one thing. The one thing I know NBA owners wish they had, sort of owner envy to NFL owners, is, of course, the franchise tag. Now, would the Cavaliers have used the tag back in the day on LeBron? Would Toronto used it on Chris Bosh? Would Oklahoma City, I think, certainly would have used it on Kevin Durant, but that's not available to them. So the NFL owners do have this extra measure where you can keep a guy off the market. Forget about paying him more. You can just keep him off the market. All you have to do is average five, top five with the franchise tag, and that is something being done in the NFL where you see a complete removal from the market as opposed to what happens in the NBA with the maximums and the Larry Bird rights and all that. As to the teams... You know, it does come down. These players are so much more valuable than NFL stars. And I believe that. Uh, and I believe it for a couple of reasons. One is they just have such dramatic impact with so few players on the team. And two, they play defense. I mean, it sounds so simple. But the best NFL players, pick your names, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Cam Newton, etc. They play at most, at most, half the game. So it is a different scenario. I was talking to Sam Hinkey, who will come up later in this conversation, the once architect of the Sixers and, and synonymous with tanking and the plan that seems to be taking shape now. Uh, and he said, sort of look at NBA superstars compared to NFL. It'd be like your best offensive player, your best defensive player, and your coach rolled into one. That's what these guys are. You just know they're going to take over. And in the fourth quarter, it's just the stars. It really does happen that way in the NBA. I thought the finals were very interesting and intriguing. I have no problem if we get these two teams again. Are people really complaining about that? Would they rather see other teams in these finals than LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Draymond? I mean, the list goes on. It's just amazing to me that people find reasons to complain. I found them very entertaining. And again, super teams, both of them. And that's what total free agency allows you to create. Again, Dwayne Wade could recruit LeBron and Chris Bosh. Pat Riley uh, technically can't recruit before the free agent period, but players do it all the time. They talk to each other all the time. The lines have been blurred between quote-unquote enemies in the offseason. They get together, they practice, they hang, they work out together, all those things. So that happens. Now, could a super team happen in the NFL? I just think that is really far-fetched. Because a few reasons. One, you do have the franchise tag. So any player worth his salt that comes to free agency and even gets to that is going to be lined up with a tag. You look at Drew Brees has been lined up with a tag a couple times. Most top quarterbacks never get a sniff of free agency. I always locked up Brett Favre way in advance. Aaron Rodgers not even going to get close to free agency before they lock him up again. And you can go on and on about players in that situation. It's not going to happen. But even if, even if, and you have to pick quarterback because they're by far the most impactful players, even if a superstar quarterback made it to market, how are they going to um, uh, jump on a super team? <laughs> because if you're a super team to begin with or getting towards that, you're going to have, by definition, a strong quarterback situation. So I don't understand you know, how an NFL super team would amass. Yeah, I mean, other positions, but they're not as impactful. Yeah, could a team potentially get the best left tackle and the best corner in the league? I suppose. 
But without the quarterback, you wonder. So I guess my, my point is, say a, say a superstar young quarterback makes it to market, which would never happen, but just for hypothetical. Well, we know the teams they're not going to sign with, right? They're not going to sign with New England. They're not going to sign with Green Bay. They're not going to sign with Seattle. They're not going to sign with Carolina. They're not going to sign with Atlanta. They're not going to sign with Detroit. They're not going to sign with Oakland. They're not going to sign with Baltimore. They're not going to sign with any team, Pittsburgh, that has an established marquee quarterback. So uh, (laughs) just to create a super team in the NFL just seems outlandish because the only players that would create that are quarterbacks. And the only way they would go to a team is to be able to play. And the only good teams in the NFL have good quarterbacks. So again, a far-fetched example, that's what we're dealing with. I don't think super teams can happen. At the other end of the spectrum to super team is tanking. Now, tanking, I find a very interesting discussion because what we've heard, the latest team to sort of get the tanking depiction moniker, what you ever want to call it, label, is the Jets. Because in the recent week, curiously timed releases for Eric Decker, for David Harris, veterans released, along with losing earlier in the offseason, losing can be a verb, uh, Darrell Rivas, Brandon Marshall, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And maybe others. I mean, I think what happens is people say, well, they're cutting all these veterans. They're tanking. Well, what does that mean? Of course, I mean, you look at the waiver wire in February and March. Are they tanking? I mean, all these teams are cutting veterans right and left. Tanking is really a strange word. Uh, Letting go of veterans is far from tanking. Listen, two teams I talk about a lot, Patriots and Packers. They let their starting running backs from a year ago go, LeGarrette Blount and Eddie Lacy. They let their starting tight ends from a year ago go, Marty Bennett, who switched teams of those two, and Jared Cook. So are they tanking? I just think this tanking takes on a life of its own. It's not really the proper term when you talk about teams playing young. Playing young is a philosophy. I worked in it for nine years in Green Bay where we had an organizational philosophy to draft and develop to play young players. Coaches had to trust young players. We didn't go for quick fixes. We had long-term sustained success as a goal, and that is always having young talent in the pipeline and developing them. Uh, This idea that you're tanking, listen, back to the Jets. With all those veterans I just mentioned, they finished 5-11. So not only did they finish 5-11, but they retarded the development of young players playing behind those veterans. Now maybe they'll play the young players with an old quarterback, again, McCown, and still have Matt Forte. So are they going to get better? Maybe. Could they go 5-11 and 11 again? I guess. But now they'd be doing it with young players versus old players. What's the difference? I mean, well, who's tanking? Are they tanking with old or tanking with young? I just think people have this idea that young equals bad, and necessarily that's not the case. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I would guess the Jets are not going to be the youngest team in the league. Maybe even not the top five youngest teams in the league. Now, does that mean those below them are tanking? Again, I just don't understand this tanking idea. Uh, you know, it sort of leads to the question. So, and people ask me, so Andrew, what do you think is the way to sustain success in sports? And I think this is the answer. I mean, if I had the true answer, I'd go to Vegas, I'd bottle it, and I'd be living on some island I bought. But I just think the simple answer is, You have to stick to an organizational philosophy, stand for it, stand by it. 
you know, how many we can all be frustrated with the way some teams, especially in football, operate. We can be frustrated the way that the Patriots handle players, the way that these these teams negotiate contracts, the way they take risks on character or don't rate, take risks on character. And I'm talking about teams like Patriots and Packers and Steelers and Ravens and Seahawks and Cowboys. But here's what we know about those teams. We know what they stand for. I mean, we know how they deal with players. We know they will or won't take risks on character. We know the way they deal with free agency. We know the way they deal with younger players. We know how heartless or heartfelt they are towards older veterans. Now, that's a recipe, one of the things, towards success and a model that players can trust in. You have all these other franchises that are back and forth. They're going to one year free agency, one year young, this and blah. You know, here's the thing about the Jets, and I put the Browns in this category too. They have been franchises that people have laughed at the past few years. But now it appears they're going to a model that might work. A longstanding, taking the long view, uh, again, not going for mediocrity, bringing it down to the foundational studs and building up from there. Again, I like it because the other ways weren't working. Try something else and build and build continuity. And maybe that's what we're seeing from teams like the Jets and Browns, as opposed to the sort of lazy narrative of tanking. A couple other things. Uh, Noted that Amazon, you know, there was talks in the news this week, obviously, about Amazon buying Whole Foods for $13.7 billion. Think about that number for a second. And then the report was in cash. I wonder if they're taking it in hundreds or in uh, marked bills, etc. Amazon is obviously uh, a player in everything, but I think it's going to be a bigger play in the NFL. For people who don't know, they're now a partner of the NFL. They're doing the streaming for Thursday night games coming up this season, a limited number of games, as did Twitter last year. The NFL is, is diabolically clever here. They're just throwing out morsels. Twitter this, Yahoo that, Amazon this. So when... The sports media deals come up in 2022. They've already had relationships with these people. And they're doing one-year deals at a time. Listen, these companies, Amazon, Twitter, Google, Facebook, Apple, they have such enormous cash reserves. And the lines between traditional media and newer media have become so blurred that this is happening. It's inevitable this is going to happen, and this is they will become part of the sports media landscape. Now, I know the NFL doesn't want to do OTT over-the-top streaming for its games, certainly all of them, maybe even partial, but there will be an answer. Listen, there's too much money and too many lines being blurred in media for this not to happen. So when I saw Amazon buying Whole Foods for $13 billion, which ironically – is about the, the number of NFL revenues per year going up and up every year. I thought, okay, that's another outlet somehow, some way for sports. I don't know how Whole Foods and sports are going to mix, but they're going to be under the umbrella tent of Amazon. I see it happening. Mark my words here in June of 2017. We will see Amazon with a deep relationship with the NFL and other sports by the end of the decade. One other thing about I noticed this week, 
this Michael Ower, the uh, the subject of the Blind Side movie and book, he is still in concussion protocol from a concussion suffered in September of last year. He even tweeted out or Instagrammed out a picture of all these prescription bottles. Obviously not a good look. He deleted it. This is a worry. It's not a look the NFL wants. Basically, you have a player that is suffering oh, almost a year later. Um, we've seen the gamut here. We've seen players left in games when they've seen visibly compromised. Think of Case Keenum. Think of Cam Newton. And we've seen players have to retire from a concussion. And maybe Javid, Javid Best for the Lions. Sam Shields, we don't know if he'll play a player again or not. He played one game last year at a concussion. The Packers cornerback. And maybe Orr. Uh, is is going to be on this path, which is sad. Uh, I think from the NFL point of viewpoint, we have to understand a couple things. We're in the infancy stages of determining proper concussion protocol, return to play. I would think there are people out there that say, yeah, you can come back as players do within the game. There's people out there that say you shouldn't come back within a year or ever. So we've got to come up with something where it makes sense. I know no two concussions are alike. But this is something that's going to continue to be an issue in the NFL, and we got to talk about it. Listen, I think the NFL should not be scared of this. It's okay to say uh, you have to retire early from a head injury. We've said it for knee injuries. We say it for arm injuries. We say it for shoulder injuries. It's okay that it happens with head injuries as well. But the question becomes, what does that mean? How do we lessen concussion impact? And I, I say this all the time. The NFL is doing a good job. We've got a positive trajectory. But don't hide. Let's have open and honest conversation about head injuries causing retirements, causing pain, and what to do about it, whether that's medicinal marijuana, whether that's other ways we can protect this, some kind of way we can have neuroprotective benefits going forward in their careers and after their careers. Final thoughts uh, on this Branch Rants podcast. Continue to see Colin Kaepernick not be signed. I have said in the past I think he will. That I have about a month before training camp starts for that um, statement to turn out true. I just think there's a lot of hyperbole involved in, in Kaepernick. I do think, I, I keep saying it, blackballed is a strong term. Do I think he's being blackballed? No, because I think blackballed becomes this sort of league-wide collusion where there's everyone's sort of talking about it. Do I think his politics are a factor in whether he's signed or not? Absolutely. But again, there's a leap, I think, between a factor in him not signing and blackballed. There are a lot of other players that have had success in the NFL, recent success, that are not signed with teams. We can go back and look at the February and March waiver wires and see some players that just aren't signed yet that got cut or copted out, whatever, Kaepernick, the same situation, free agents since February. But what's their reason? Uh, it's probably not politics, but there are other factors. So again, I'm going to watch this closely. I think we've become so polarized as a society this is one of those polarizing topics. People tend to be on one side or the other. I try to be in the middle. I know it's not a hot take, but I do think blackball's a stretch. And again, Roger Goodell was asked about it. He says he's not being blackballed. I mean, of course, what do you think he's going to say? They anyone expect Roger Goodell to say, yep, we did it. We got him out. Uh, please. 
Anyway, that's the Branch Rants for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. Listen on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you hear podcasts, uh, RossTucker.com, of course. And follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brand. I'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brand. Thanks for listening to The Business of Sports with Andrew Brand. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.